Well, good morning. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Congrats to the Badgers. Uh, we could say all kinds of other things, I suppose. But uh, And seriously, thank you for braving the cold. Uh, I know when I got out, uh, it was kind of like a game. Jackson and I were getting here early this morning to set up. And uh, and he just kept asking. He's like, okay, Dad, what's the temperature gauge at now? You know. So you leave the garage, and it's this nice warm, toasty 20 degrees, right? And uh, and then by the time we got to the village center, it was below the zero thing. So, uh, so it was kind of fun. So, well, welcome. We're glad that you're here. Uh, for those of you here for the very first time, you've never been here before, thanks for being here. Thanks for checking us out and, you know, kind of braving the cold and braving, you know, Christmas hangover stuff and, and all that stuff. We're just, we're just glad that you're here. So, um, so here we are. Uh, and we're in about ready to get into the new year. We're 2017. We're wrapping it up today. And tomorrow, of course, we start the brand new year, 2018. And, uh, and, and as you think about there, and there, there's a lot of things that we do at the end of a year, right? There's a lot of things that we do at the end of the year. We do resolutions. We do all this kind of stuff. But as I was thinking about this, and, and actually somebody else mentioned this to me, but at the end of the year, one of the things that businesses do, not every time, not every year, but one of the things that they do typically is they take inventory. Uh, have you ever worked at, uh, if you've worked at uh, various companies, all kinds of stuff, not all companies do this, but a lot of companies, in fact, most businesses that I know of, they take inventory at the end of the year. Right, And they do this in order to kind of see what they have, what they sold, what they don't have, all that kind of stuff. They just kind of take stock of where they're at. Well, here's what I want to do today. I think it's very uh, apt or relevant for us to do this today. And I want to take inventory. But obviously, we're not going to take physical inventory. We're not going to look at merchandise or see you know, what we have or don't have and all that kind of stuff. But I want us to take spiritual inventory. Where are we at in our life with God? Who are we really? What's our direction in life at this point? And so that's what I want to do. We're going to take inventory today. So uh, as we talk about taking inventory today, uh, I want to talk about a couple of different things. Uh, I think the, the first part that we want to talk about is the barriers. What are the barriers to taking inventory? Because I think that what we are talking about today, this is a natural, normal thing that we tend to do around New Year's, right? We kind of think, okay, I need to do, I need to work out more. I need to do this more. I need to stop doing this as much. You know, those kind of things. We make resolutions. And then as we all know, the, the first week of, you know, January, like those gyms, they are packed, right? And the people who've been working out, uh, out all year, like their whole life, they're just annoyed because they're like, where'd all these people come from? They're on my, you know, my machine, my weights, right? And then, but then they all, all they have to do is wait until the third week of January because none of those people actually show up and come back, right? Because they're all like, man, I'm going to do this, and then we kind of fall off. Well, today I want to talk about some barriers to us taking inventory in our life. Like, why don't we do this on a regular basis and only do this at New Year's? So what are some barriers? And then what are two reasons, two main reasons, why we should regularly take inventory in our lives? Take stock of where we're at, where we're at with God, where we, what the direction in our life is. And so we're gonna, that's what we're going to do today. So uh, there are some key barriers. Let me talk about one of the biggest barriers, I think. And I want to start this way because we need to kind of tackle this first barrier before we get into really why we should take inventory in our lives. And this first barrier is very simple. I've, t- I've actually talked about this before here at Northridge. 
The biggest barrier, I think, is it never seems important or urgent to take stock of where we're at in life, right? It never seems urgent. It never seems that important to really determine, like to sit down and and kind of stop. Okay, let, let me ask you this. How many of you throughout your day really think like on the top of your list is I'm going to sit down and I'm going to spend a couple of hours mulling over how my life is going and where we're going and what our direction is and all that kind of stuff. How many of you get up and that's the first thing you do for a couple of hours in the, at the beginning of every day, right? You just take stock of where your life's going. Or is it this? Oh, the alarm. Oh, I overslept. Oh, I got to get the kids to school. Oh, God, I forgot. I need to make their peanut butter and jelly. Oh, I got to get to work. Oh, man, the, you know, all that kind of stuff. Which way does it usually go for you? I, I know how it goes for me, and I'm not usually spending a couple of hours reflecting on how my life is going. Let's be honest. I'm just trying to survive right? Half the time. And then the reason is because we typically don't think that it's that important to have this self-reflection. But I, I've mentioned this to several people over the last several months. I think that one of the biggest, it might be the biggest problem in our culture today. And it's why we see so many issues today in our culture. And I think this, this might be number one reason. And I think it's because we don't ever or very rarely spend any amount of time, let alone a long amount of time, any amount of time reflecting on our life and how things are going. We do a lot of stuff. We are very busy, and we we accomplish a lot of things. But I think very rarely do we ask ourselves, why am I doing all this stuff? Where am I going with all these things? It's very rare that we have this inventory of our lives. But it is important for us to do. In fact, the Bible tells us it's important uh, many times. But let me give you one example. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says this. God tells us to do this. Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Or in other words, if it's real. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. Okay, so God is telling us it is important for us to take inventory, examine yourselves. That would be the same thing. Take inventory, examine yourselves to see how you are with God. Where is your faith? Is it genuine or are you going through the motions? That's basically kind of what this is saying, saying test yourself. Is your faith real? Is it genuine? Okay, and that's kind of what we're going with today. So there's a couple of reasons why I think taking inventory uh, and not just at New Year's time, but I really think on a regular basis. Maybe it doesn't have to be daily, but it needs to be regularly. It needs to be at the minimum every week that we should be really taking a serious look at ourselves and saying, how are we doing? Where am I at with God? What's the direction of my life? But one of the reasons I think that we need to do this is because it tells us where we are. Okay. Uh, when I worked for, uh, as you guys know, we started Northridge uh, yeah, as a parachute drop. So there was no sister church. There were no people. Uh, it was just kind of one of those things where we moved in and there was nothing here. Right. And so we jumped in and we tried to kind of do this. And and uh, and so I had to get a job. And so I worked at a at a biotech company. Uh, for uh, for various reasons. I, I can tell that story later, but God kind of connected me to that. And they made these sophisticated, fancy machines is what they did. 
And so there were lots of tools. There were nuts and bolts and screws, a lot of things that I know a lot of. Actually, I don't know a lot about. It was hilarious. If you knew, kind of like Hornybrook not throwing an interception last night, that was the miracle status of me working for this company, right? Because me and mechanical things is like, uh, it's just hilarious. And so, so I was in there and, and doing this, but at the end of the year, we take stock, we take inventory. We had to count literally everything. So we'd go through the bins and we'd count the 117 screws that were in this. And then the different size screws, I had to count those. And, and we had several people spending hours and hours and hours counting all the stuff that we had. Well, why did we do that? Why do we take inventory in our life? I think one of the biggest reasons is to determine where we are to determine where we are in life. Where are you really? Who are you really? Where's your relationship with God at this point? It's important to understand where we are, okay? Let me give an illustration of this. If you are going through the mountains or the woods or anything like that, you're hiking along, and all of a sudden you just, you've been just trucking along. You're like, man, I've gone like seven miles, right? I am doing awesome. I've been just trucking. I've been getting things done. I'm like, man, I am out there. I'm doing this. This is great. I've seen all this stuff. This is great. But all of a sudden you realize I don't even know where I am. I'm lost, okay? I think that that, that the first thing that we need to do, if you're going to get out of the mountains, if you're going to get out of the woods, is you need to figure out where you are. Isn't that right? Before I need to pick a direction, I can have a compass and I can kind of decide where I'm going to go. But I need to know, if I know where I need to go, I need to know where I am so I know how to get there. Isn't that right? I need to know where I am, so I need to get some high ground and determine where I am before I start heading off in a direction. But here's what I think we t- typically do in life. And I know I'm guilty of this a lot of days. We just jump into our day and we try to just make it through. We just try to get things done. We're just trying to accomplish stuff without really asking, are we even going in the right direction? Did we even start where we needed to start? And it's kind of one of those things. Now, the truth is we need to be honest here. If we're going to really look at ourselves and who we really are, there's a couple of big barriers to this, okay? The, the first barrier, if we're going to look at really who we are, find out where we're really at with God, um, there, there's, a, there's a couple of big barriers. The first one is that it's never going to seem that important or urgent. Again, it's mainly because of time, okay? How many of you, if I told you, you know, starting on Tuesday, okay, tomorrow, probably easy because it's New Year's, you're going to be watching football all day or something, right? Whatever you're going to do. But, but let's say Tuesday, and I say, okay, you need to spend a couple of hours each day taking inventory, taking stock of where your life's at. You just need to carve it out. You'll be fine. You know, cut out a couple TV shows, cut out some Facebook time. Your kids don't need the, the best meal, you know, throw some ramen in there. Right? That's how I cook anyway, right? I mean, and you just say, but, but it's important. You're going to spend some time. It's, it's going to be very difficult for us to say, oh, yeah, let's just do that. I'm going to carve out two hours a day so I can determine where my life's going. That's going to be easy. It's so important. It's hard to think of it that way. Even though it is, it's hard to see it that way. And just, just an illustration of this. I think that this is kind of the same as investing. All right? And, and some of you invest probably. Some of you don't. Uh, some of you want to, but you can't and, and all kinds of stuff, and that's fine. But the illustration works like this. Investing, like in a mutual fund or, or in whatever, it never really seems that incredibly important and urgent like right now, right? 
early on. It doesn't seem urgent and important, even though it is, it doesn't seem that way. But then if you do invest, if you do make it urgent and important, it pays off huge later, doesn't it? But it's hard to kind of put that $200, that $400 away per month or per week or whatever you do into that mutual fund in order to invest for later. It's hard to do that. Because why? Because I don't know about you, but I walk down the aisle and I see cookies. And I'm like, eh, investment, cookies. I'm hungry, right? And we grab the cookies and we do that. Even though investment is important for the long term, it's hard to kind of make that decision. And so it's, it's not always urgent or important. But then there's another barrier, and this is uh, probably a bigger one. We do not like to look at ourselves. We don't like to face ourselves, right? We don't, we don't like to see who we really are sometimes. Or maybe we don't mind, but we don't like other people seeing who we really are, okay? Uh, let me give you another illustration of this, okay? I brought something from home today. I ripped it off the back of our door, uh, Laura's excited about that. But if I did this to you guys, okay, how many of you get really comfortable when I do this? How many of you, or if I, or I could do this panoramic view, see? Okay, if I do this, how many of you get really, really excited that everybody else can see you, right? What if I did this really, really slow? What if I got really, really close? What if I walk, here, here, let's do this. In fact, let's try this. I'm going to walk up and down the row, and we're going to show everybody what you look like this morning. We're going to just, no, I'm not going to do that. Some of you start freaking out there, you know. I saw it. Why don't we like to do that? Why does this make us uncomfortable? I saw some of you like, put the stinking mirror down. Why do we feel that way? Because we don't really like to look at ourselves, and we don't like other people seeing who we are. It's uncomfortable for us. We don't like to face ourselves. But what is really important, in fact, I think that this might be why our culture is in the place that it is, is because people have stopped doing that. They've stopped looking at themselves and really determining where they are, where they're at. In fact, I would tell you this, and I've mentioned this many times before, but the truth is, one of the best ways to get better at something is to take an honest look at yourself and who you really are and how you're doing. For example, if you want to get better at public speaking, if you want to get better at sports like soccer or football or, or anything, uh, if you want to get better at leading meetings at, at your work, okay? if you want to get better at singing, if you want to get better at, it, it doesn't matter what you want to get better at. You could name it and whatever, whatever you want to get better at, one of the best ways for you to improve who you are and how you do whatever you're trying to get better at One of the best ways is to set up a video camcorder, set up a video recorder, and video record yourself doing whatever you want to get better at. And then, here's the key, you can't just set it up and hit record. Then you get to sit down and you get to watch yourself do that. Oh, it's going to be awesome. And if you really want to get better, you know what you need to do? You need to watch it, take notes, analyze it. See what you like, see what you don't like, and then invite other people in to watch it with you. Oh, man, it's going to be awesome. And they get to write notes, and then they tell you kind of how what they see, what they think. How many of you sign up for that every day? No, we don't want to do that. We, dev- we never want to do that. Why? Because we don't like seeing ourselves on video. We don't like seeing that. We don't want to do that. It's uncomfortable. I've admitted to you guys, I don't like hearing my own voice on the website. 
with the sermon. And it's the same reason we all don't like to do that. It's because we don't like it. We don't like to face, it's kind of, I, I hear how I sound and I hear all the mistakes I made every Sunday, you know? And, 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 it's, and it's just one of those things, that it's uncomfortable, I don't like it. One of the hardest things is to take inventory of our lives. And I think one of the biggest reasons is because we do not like to do it. It's uncomfortable. And I get that because it's uncomfortable for me when I do that. So why do I use this example? Well, I think the biggest example is this. God is like our mirror. God is like our mirror. He's like our video recorder. When we get into his word, when we sit down and spend time in his presence and we talk to him, we pray with him, okay? One thing that God will do without abandon, without any question, is he's going to show you who you really are. He's going to show you all the good and all the bad and all the stuff in between. And just so we're clear, everybody has good and bad and everything in between. All right? Everybody does. The Bible's very clear. We all sin. We all have the stuff that we need to work on. We all have the stuff that we're amazing at, that we're doing great in. But God wants to show us who we really are. And what he'll do is he'll shine a light on some things that maybe are not where they need to be. And it'll be uncomfortable, but it's going to be important. All right, so that's the first barrier. I don't know about you, but when I hold up the mirror, I, I kind of thought I had this assumption, I know. Some of you are like, yeah, this is fun. Like, hey, let me do a face, right? Some of you are like, yeah, that was awesome. I can do a silly face. Some of you are like, please throw the mirror away, break it, done. I don't want anything to do with it. Because sometimes, for some of us, it's comfortable, some of us not. But that's one major barrier that keeps us from really taking inventory of our life. But then there's a second reason, though. This is not a barrier, but there's a second reason. It doesn't only tell us where we are in life, but there's a second reason why taking inventory is so important. It tells us where we are, how we're doing, where our relationship with God is at. But then the second thing that it does is it really gives us an opportunity to do something about our life, to change it somehow. Now, this is also another, this is kind of the reason and the barrier. Because <laughs> I don't know about you, but how many of you love change, right? A few of us might love change in here, but honestly, we don't. How many of you, if somebody, if you walk into the room and somebody's sitting in your seat, how many of you get really excited about that? It just gives you warm fuzzies. Right? Because you have to sit in a different place, right? How, how, but why? Because we like to do things the way we do them. And so it's hard to change, but it's important to change. James 1, verses 22 through 25 tells us this. Listen to what he says. This is really, oh, by the way, this is a great passage to like kind of memorize, to put down, to write out, put up on your mirror, whatever the case is. James 1, 22 through 25 says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law, it's talking about the Bible, that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. 
So very simply, what is this saying? It's, very, it's saying something very simple. It's saying that you need to look at your life. You need to allow God to really examine your heart. And, and it's like, and, and James says this, it's like looking into a mirror, right? And, and you need to adjust according to what you see in the mirror. But what James says is, if you don't do this, if you get into God's word, or if you don't get into God's word, it's like you're looking it in the mirror, and then you just walk off and you just ignore whatever was in there, right? You ignore what you saw. So let me get back to the mirror again, okay? Aren't you glad I brought this mirror today? I know you guys are. Happy New Year to you, all right? But it's like, uh, let, let's, let's just put it this way. Let's say you're on your way out the door with your family or friends. You're ready to go to dinner and a movie or something like that. Okay, I'll turn it around so I'm not freaking you all out. All right, let's say you're going out and you're, you're get, you kind of get all ready and everything. And, and then you're on your way out the door, right, with your friends or your family or whoever you're going with. And you glance in the mirror, just like James says, you glance in the mirror and you look at yourself just real quick before you head out the door. And you notice when you look at yourself, you see this huge spaghetti stain in the middle of your shirt. It's a, it's a white shirt. It's awesome. It's just, just awesome. Huge, not one of those little like, you know, dots. I mean, it just like somebody threw a meatball at you, right? In fact, I have a picture. It's, it's like this kid, right? I'm just, okay, now I'm j- I just want you guys to know in case you didn't, if you walk out of the house like this, if you're a kid, people will just cuckoo and all oh, in that cute. They'll laugh. If you do this though, they're just going to be like, what is going? That is gross, right? So let's say you glance in the mirror and you got spaghetti stains all over you and you just look at your friends like, all right, let's go. <laughs> let's hit the dinner. Let's, this is going to be awesome. Right? And you just ignore what you see. You ignore what's going on in your life. This is what James is talking about. One of the biggest problems is in our culture is that when we look at the mirror, when we see what our life really is, where we really are with God, like what, what our relationship is, when God shows us in the mirror who we are, one of the most important things is we've got to actually learn from it. Take a step, take action, change, shift what we're doing. This is really, really, really important. We have to take action on what God shows us is going on. We need to take inventory, find out where we are in life. So, as you guys probably would figure, let's take inventory for a minute. I thought about actually giving you some questions, like to write down. Aren't you glad I didn't do that, right? But I do want to ask some questions. And I think that these are important questions to wrestle with, to have an answer for. Because it's, it's easy to come and, and on a Sunday morning, for example, and, and I've done this, where I sit and I listen to the message and I, I sing and I worship. And then I go home and, and nothing really, I don't do anything different than what I did the week before or the day before. I don't know if you guys have that experience, but I can, I can easily have that experience where I just go and I kind of do my thing and I worship and, like, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm into it. I'm genuine. I'm real. I truly love God and I do that. But then I go and the, and the next day, it's kind of like the day before is all forgotten, right? It's kind of like what I had for breakfast yesterday. I don't know, right? And, the, and it's kind of like it's, it's past, it's gone. But let's just 
pause for a minute because I don't think we do this in our culture. And let's take some inventory real quick. Let me ask you some questions. Where are you at with God right now? I'm not saying last Friday at Christmas. I'm not saying like throughout the year or anything. I mean right now. Where are you at with God? Where's your faith? Where's your relationship? Yeah, I'm going to let it linger for a minute. Because we don't do that. We ask it, we move on. We ask it, we move on. Let me ask you this. When was the last time you opened your Bible? I don't mean heard the scripture being read. I don't mean went to church. I mean, when was the last time you opened your Bible? For some of us in here, my guess is it's been years. My guess is. When was the last time you opened your Bible and, and not just opened it and like looked at it? It's like, wow, that's cool. It's big. But read it, right? Got into it. I know a lot of people, most people I talk to, honestly, they just don't know where to start. That's cool. If you don't know where to start, talk to somebody and ask them where to start. Or just say, God, show me where to start and open that thing up. Get into it. Because God, what God will do is he'll use this like a mirror and he'll show you what's going on in your life. And he will lead you to amazing things. He'll lead you to amazing things. When was the last time you prayed? I don't mean before a meal. I mean, that counts. But when was the last time you poured your real heart out to God? And then you stopped and you listened for his response. When was the last time you prayed, really prayed? Maybe it was this morning, maybe it was last year. This is another one. We're not going to like this one. How are you doing in your relationships with people? That is a big part of how you're doing with God. Did you realize that? Your God talks about in his word constantly about how important people are and how our relationships matter a lot. And so how your relationships are going, I'm not saying are they perfect. I'm not saying, you know, are they broken? And I'm not saying you have the part in it. If somebody else has chosen to have a bad relationship with you, that's not on you. I'm saying, but I'm just saying as much as you can control, as much as you have influence over, how are your relationships with people? Those people in your life, how are they? Really, how are they? Are they where they need to be? Are you closer to God this year than you were last year? It's a good question, isn't it? Are you closer? Are you closer to God now than you were last year right before 2017? Or are you further? If you're honestly to ask yourself, is that the case? See, isn't taking inventory fun? Isn't it great? No, it's not. But it's important because our answers to these questions lead us to the answers of life. Like the the answers to these questions will lead us. What is God convicting you of? What is God talking to you about? What has God been drawing you away from? What is God drawing you to, toward? 
But God is doing that. He's going to be faithful to help you become. Here, here, I just had this thought, actually, as I was running through the message and thinking through some things last night. But uh, God never has said to a person or wants a person to be further away from him like the next year. Like, I hope that they are actually further from me next year. Right? God never does that. He never... So, so it's very simple. Like, God... His desire is that we're constantly getting closer to him, that we're, that our heart is more in line with him, that our soul is more in line with under his authority. That, that God's desire would never be like, I hope 2018 they're actually a little further from me than they were this year. God's never going to say that. That's never the desire of his heart. Why? Because he loves us more than we know. And so the question is, if we are further or we're the same place we were last year with God, then we have missed something because God would never say that's okay. He always wants us to be closer to him, closer to who he is, receiving more of his blessing. That's his desire for every person. Psalm 119, 59 and 60 says this. This is another good one. I pondered the direction of my life and I turned to follow your ways or your laws. I will hurry without delay to obey your commands. This is David writing this. David was described by God as a man after God's own heart. David is described as a man after God's own heart. In other words, David chased after God as much as he possibly could. And David wrote this about himself. He said, I pondered, I took inventory, we could say, of my life, the direction of my life, and I decided that I'm going to follow your laws. I'm going to follow your word. I'm going to follow the Bible. I'm going to follow what you call me to do. But notice one other thing that he does, that he says in there. He says, I will hurry. There's not going to be a delay to this. I'm going to race after God starting now. When David was convicted of something, one thing that was good, David was not perfect. Okay, let me just put this in perspective. Okay, being perfect is not who God is calling us to be. God does call us to be holy and righteous, though, to follow him honestly. David was a murderer. Do you remember that? He was an adulterer. He had an affair. He killed somebody to cover it up. Okay, he got to write portions of the Bible. Okay. David is far from perfect. In fact, if he were in most churches in America, they wouldn't even let him in because of what he did. But God knows different. God knows that David was a man after his heart. And when God convicted him of the wrong that he had done, David immediately was broken. He put on sackcloth. He grieved. He, he confessed. He asked for forgiveness and he changed his ways. He took inventory of where he was. God showed him who he was. And David adjusted his life. And that's what God calls us to do. But we need to do it right away. We can't wait. It may not seem urgent. It may not seem important, but it is. Let me finish with this example. Uh, this last week I was bouncing around. I was thinking about investments and long-term stuff and all that stuff. Not for my own family, but just in terms of the message. And... Um, and, and so I found this website where you can plug in different equations 
to determine how much if you invest this much, like this is how much you'll have in so many years. Have you ever done this? Okay, it's very interesting. It's kind of sad too because I'm like, man, I could have been doing so much better, right? Um, but, but I was kind of plugging this in. So I did a couple of scenarios to kind of illustrate what I'm talking about, why immediate, like early on, is so much better than later. If God is convicting you of something, it's so much better to do it now than to wait. So much better. Night and day difference. Okay, so I plugged in a couple of, uh, a couple of equations. So the first one that I did is I decided, okay, uh, we're going to start putting $300 a month into a mutual fund, and, and then we're going to do it for 30 years. All right, that was the, that was the thing. So this would kind of be like, if you want to put this into real-time perspective, this would be like a person who's 35, and they start putting $300 a month into a mutual you know, investment account uh, at 35, and then they retire at 65, okay? Just for just the, this case point, okay? So 30 years, $300 a month, and then they're putting in this investment thing, all right? And so this is, once you plug this in, it, it spits out a chart, okay? So I took a screenshot. Here's, here's the screenshot of that chart. Now, you can't see the numbers probably very well. I can barely see them from here, okay? But if you start zero, year zero, starting $300 a month, and you put it $300 a month for there on for 30 years, um, the, uh, you have 2%, the red line is 6%, and the blue line is 12%, okay? Um, the, the 6% is kind of like less than average, actually, what you make. 12% is of close to average, maybe a little bit more than average, but it's very possible, Okay, so the red line, if you did that for 30 years, at the end of that 30 years, you have $400,000. Okay, that, that's what your investment equates to. If you do that and you get 12%, you're going to have about $850,000. Okay, just on the mutual fund, if you invested $300 a month for 30 years. Okay, so that's pretty good. That's if you start at 35, right? And you save until 65 and you invest until 65 until you retire. Okay, then just for, you know, because I'm curious and I kind of love this guy. I'm kind of a geek nerd. You guys know that. I'm like, man, let's see. I plugged in all kinds of equations. But another major equation that I plugged in, I said, let's just change it a little bit and let's actually go back and let's see if you started this really early on, right? Let's say that the parents decided that when this child was born, okay, maybe not right when they were born, but maybe when they were five years old, Let's say that they started putting $300 a month away and then this child grows up and starts, you know, gets a job and all kind of stuff and starts just faithfully because it was put into him or her. It's really important to invest and you need to do this. And so $300 a month, basically for 60 years, okay? So in other words, it's the same thing, $300 a month. They just started much earlier. Okay? They started 30 years earlier. So they did over 60 years instead of just 30 years, okay? This is basically what this is. Now I took another screenshot. Here's the chart. Okay. Now the chart may look a little bit different. Maybe it looks kind of the same. You can't see the numbers. But if you look, okay, the red line, if you did that, the red line at the end of 60 years, you're going to have $5 million. Okay. If you earn, that's, only, that's earning a measly 6%. That's actually not very much. That's, that's pretty low. You're probably going to earn a lot more than that. 12%, you're going to have nearly $27 million at the end of 60 years. Here's my point. If you want to compound the blessings and have the benefit of who God is in your life, making sure you take inventory of your life and following him early on rather than later is much better. 
Now, I want to say this. I'm not saying if you accepted Christ or you really got serious about God later on or just recently, because some of you have. That's not to say that you're bad or you're in trouble or you didn't invest in God and, oh, dear, you're in, oh, man, it's going to be rough for you. It's not at all what I'm saying. But what I am saying is if you have a choice to follow God now or later, choose now. Choose now. Because God wants to pour his blessing on you now. He wanted to way before now, but he's ready to go as soon as you're ready. The difference is, have we opened our heart to him immediately? Lamentations 3.40 says this, says, let us test and examine our ways. Let us take inventory. Let us turn back to the Lord. Let us give our life to God. Not sometime, but now. Here's my encouragement to you guys. Start 2018 better and closer to God than you did 2017. I don't know how you started 2017. I don't know how close you were to God or how far away. I'm simply saying, regardless of where you started it, start this year closer to where you are with God. Start closer, not further away. Not the same. Because God does not desire for you to be the same as you were last year. He wants you to be better. He wants you to be closer. He wants the blessings to be bigger. It's just whether or not we are going to allow God in to show us what needs to change in order to do that. Because status quo will get status quo. Change will bring us closer to who God is. Uh, a lot of you may know this, and some of you probably don't know this, but after the Christmas services um, this last week, uh, Laura and I and the kids, we all jumped in our vans, literally had some people tear down for us because we left right after the, the second Christmas service, and we drove partway to the other side of Chicago so that we could get to Indiana on time for our Christmas gathering, which was at noon, essentially a little bit after that, uh, on Saturday. And we stayed for a few hours, literally were there for five hours, and then we drove back to Wisconsin. We were gone for 24 hours. And people are, uh, the the, the eyebrows that I'm getting right now is what I got a lot. They're like, are you crazy? But we did that because uh, we had all 39, there were actually 40 of us, but we, we were missing one cousin, only one out of 40, which is awesome. So we had 39 people at my grandfather's house for Christmas. We, this is what we do. We do it every year, and it's rarely on Christmas. We never celebrate on Christmas, but they, that's not the point, right? The point is that we all get together. We're all there. So there's 39 of us crammed together in this house. And one thing that we always do is we always have a time where literally every person in the house, and we have a one-year-old, which is my brother's kid, who's the youngest one in the family right now, Rowan, we have a one-year-old all the way up to my grandfather, who's 90, just turned 90 this, this, this month, okay? So we have a one-year-old to grandpa, who's 90, and then everybody, obviously, in between. And so one thing that we do is we have a moment where we all get together, and I'm, I'm telling you because we're all dressed, you know, a little bit nicer, you know, in sweaters and long sleeves, and so we are sweating profusely, 39 people in the same little room, I'm telling you. All, all the guys are like, Grandpa, we need to open the door, you know? 
and all that kind of stuff. But we're just there. We all do that because it's important. So all the kids are on the floor and, you know, we got the couches covered and we got folding chairs out. We're all there. And one thing that we always do is we always pray together. We always read the Christmas story together out of Luke or Matthew. And then usually somebody shares, somebody talks for a little while, just talking about the year, talking about our family. And this year, uh, it was interesting because grandpa, my grandpa Hoover, he spent a lot, quite a lot longer time talking this year than he usually does. But he basically just kind of started talking and sharing about how excited and how proud he was of the family and and the blessings that God has given to us and the fact that everybody's there except for one, you know, 39 of us all together. And this was just how special it was and some amazing things that is that is that God has bestowed and, and blessed our family with and those things. And he got pretty emotional. And quite a few of us got emotional. But I was thinking about that, and of course I was thinking already toward this next Sunday even then. And as I was thinking about this, one of the biggest reasons, and I, and I want you to know, <laughs> our family is far, far from perfect. The, even this year and all the years past, we've had things happen in our family and to our family that I would not wish on anybody. Tough stuff, difficult things, messed up things. We're not perfect. But we have seen incredibly Great blessings and faithfulness from God. I can tell you that. And I know one of the reasons, it's not the only reason, but one of the biggest reasons is that my grandfather and my grandma, who just passed a couple of years ago, my grandfather and my grandmother, they accepted Christ early on and they have lived faithfully for Jesus every day of their life, all the way up until 90 and they will forever. They started early on and they decided that they're going to take inventory of their life as often as they can. My gran- I know my grandma did this because she wrote unbelievable things in her diary about how God was convicting her of all kinds of things. I'm sure she loves that we're reading about all that stuff now. She doesn't mind. She wrote it down for a reason. God wants that for every person. He wants that for every person here. He wants to bless you like crazy. And I'm not talking like money. Because to some degree, money is, is okay, but it's somewhat of a curse. God's going to bless, He wants to bless you in ways that you've never known. In ways that when you get to the end of your life, you're going to realize how much of a blessing it was. But one of the keys to that is that you, not somebody else, you open your life, open your heart and allow God to show you who you really are, where you really at with God. What are some of those barriers? What are the, some of those things that you need to work on? And then when he shows those to you, change it. Change it. Don't let it sit. Adjust. Two things I will leave you with. Take inventory and take action. I think it's hard for us to take inventory. I think it's even harder for us when we take inventory to take action. I encourage you to do both this week. 
if you let it go past even a couple of days, my guess is it won't happen. That's the honest truth. I know how I work. If it's a couple days past, it's gone. Don't let it pass. Determine where you're really at with God and then adjust. Take action. Let me pray for us. God, I know that we've just come off of the week of Christmas and we kind of joke about the uh, kind of the downhill after Christmas. We've all raced toward this one day. But God, I just want to ask for one thing here this morning. God, put up the mirror for everybody in here. Maybe, God, I'll just pray this. I'm going to ask this. God, even if they don't want it, I pray that you'd put it in their face. Because when we really see where we're at, who we are, God, you can do amazing things. So I just pray, put up the mirror. If it means somebody needs to pick up their Bible, because that's they haven't done that in a while, and that's the mirror, so be it. If it's somebody else that's going to convict them, they're going to call them out, I pray that that would happen. Not, not later, now. I pray it would happen. Maybe they get a call today. God, I pray that you would put the mirror up so we know who we are and so we know what we need to do to adjust. Do that to me too, I pray, God. Show us what needs to change so that at the end of this coming year, at the end of 2018, after we've celebrated Christmas together as a Northridge family, next Christmas, I pray that we have just scores, just tons, just massive amounts of people who are closer to you a year from now because they made the commitment to make some changes this year. I ask this and I pray this in your name, Jesus.